Welcome to another edition of the Cool Stuff Ride Home Podcast. Marcus Paff and Reggie Rizzo here. On today's episode, wild animals acting wild crazy plus yet another leaning tower in italy multiple lottery winners who won multiple times and this week in history coming up on cool stuff ride home what is it about italy and leaning towers reggie the leaning tower of pisa clearly the most famous, a freestanding bell tower that accompanies the Pisa Roman Catholic Cathedral. For those who don't know, the Tower of Pisa began to lean during construction in the 12th century due to the soft ground beneath. It worsened over time, and by 1990, the tilt had reached 5.5 degrees. Now, that probably doesn't sound like a whole heck of a lot, but if you look at pictures of this thing, you realize... Mm, it's mildly concerning. Finally, the structure was stabilized between 1993 and 2001, reducing the tilt to 3.97 degrees. Well, that is not the only leaning structure in Italy, as a tower in the Italian city of Bologna was recently cordoned off out of caution due to its extreme tilt. Those who've visited Italy, or at least Bologna, are certain to be familiar with the two towers. The 12th century Garisenda is one of the two, measuring 48 meters in height, that's 157 feet, and standing next to the taller Asinelli at 97 meters, or 318 feet, each of which is believed to have been constructed between 1109 and 1119, long time ago. Now, more than 900 years later, work to prevent the collapse of Garisenda is expected to begin with an anticipated cost of 20 million euros. That's $21.5 million. The project is expected to take approximately 10 years per the city's mayor, Matteo Lepore. And like the Tower of Pisa, Garisenda has leaned for centuries as the ground on which it was built gave way soon after construction. Per Mayor Lepore, quote, for the Tower of Pisa, it took 10 years for the intervention and the restoration project. We have no reason to say it will take us less, end quote. A yellow alert has been issued for the area immediately adjacent to Garisenda by Italy's Civil Protection Agency, meaning it is under watch, but it is thought to pose no immediate risk to safety. There are two possible higher level alerts, orange and red. Reggie, I you know, did a little bit of research on the city of Bologna in preparing for this story. And if you go back eight, 900 years, we're talking about a city that was filled with these types of towers, because of course it crosses your mind. Why is it that Italy has all these, these leaning structures? Well, I mean, they built a lot of them and a couple of them that somehow survived all this time, of course, have managed to lean. And I, I got to say, it's, if nothing else, a, an interesting tourist attraction to take in. Just more towers for people to pretend they're holding up in their picture. That's all it is. <laughs> is that something you do with regularity when you see a tower? You know, if everybody didn't do it, yes. But with everybody doing it, I don't know. It just, it just makes me not want to do that. Yeah, I'm with it, you. Uh I'll pretend to hold up a wall just to annoy my kids. I can't move holding up this wall. But, you know, beyond that, that's about it. I don't know what's happening right now, but there seems to be a barrage of odd animal stories happening. So I was going to say you rarely know what's happening, Reggie. So <laughs> I, I don't. We're just going to do a quick rundown of some of these weird stories that's happening, starting off in Texas, where a woman finds an opossum hanging out in her Christmas tree. Oh, joy. 
Yeah, I know. Not not the ornament you want in your tree this time of year. (laughs) The woman said she heard noises after coming home from work and assumed it was just one of her pets because, you know, she has three dogs and a cat. You know, that makes sense. You have a lot of pets. I'm sure they're making weird noises all the time. Is that how it is around your house? (laughs) Yeah. That's how it is. Animals making weird noises all the time. (laughs) Naturally. Naturally. I mean, but... (laughs) <laughs> then she heard a sneeze, which could come from a dog or a cat still. Sounds like a child is in the tree. Yeah. Well, the sneeze did come from a tree, and then she spotted what she called a long rat tail. When she went in for a better look, which I don't know if I'd do if I saw a long rat tail, she found the opossum. Then she put on rubber gloves and attempted to pull it out of the tree, but it held on tight. That's brave. <laughs> like with an opossum? Because, of course, they have a reputation for being a little bit nasty. Well, when she finally got it free, it escaped from her and ran under the couch. Eventually, she was able to, uh, quote, tackle him like an NFL football player, end quote. Wow. She she said the animal wasn't aggressive at all, just a little skittish. She added that as an animal lover, I probably would have kept it if it didn't smell so horrid, end quote. It seems weird, but okay. The woman posted (laughs) the event on TikTok. But still said she doesn't know how it got into her house as no doors were left open. All right, now gather around, kids. We're going to head off to some deer stories. Oh, joy. (laughs) Dolores Eastman Root from California said she found her deer statue at her cabin damaged with its legs broken and wanted to find out what was going on. So naturally, she checked her security footage. The video showed the fake deer, which is used for crossbow practice, being approached by a buck with some other interest in mind. She continued to watch the footage and saw another deer, probably the same one she thought, coming in for a second date. That resulted in both the buck and the fake deer crashing to the ground, which, of course, led to those broken legs. Like I said, that's not the only deer story. There have been multiple stories about deer out there, like this one, where a deer in California must have been looking for some Christmas presents at this time of year as it ran through several yards, took a dip in a pool before heading to Sam's Club. You know, I guess I wanted to clean up a little bit before what? shopping. Well, yeah. The police were called to the store to discover a young buck walking through the automatic doors and dashing through the aisles of Sam's Club. Animal control was finally able to catch him and release him back into the wild. Police in New Jersey were also brought in to chase a deer, this time at an elementary school. The deer entered through a glass window in the classroom. According to the police, officers opened the rear door and guided their new furry friend to the exit. The deer is last seen heading north, end quote. I'm assuming it's going to the North Pole, being a deer. Oh, pole. absolutely. Where, where else would it be headed after leaving <laughs> an elementary school? Yeah. Needed a little learning, you know, some schooling, and then <laughs> heading, heading off to see Santa. <laughs> Another animal on the loose, this time a llama in British Columbia. Oh, llama- good. I was getting tired of the deer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. It's, it's so tiring. Um <laughs> The llama was found wandering a busy intersection. Constable Cologne said the llama, who was named Larry by the officers, was apprehended after two hours. Uh, He added that the llama wasn't too happy about the adventure coming to the end. There was no fight, but officers were aware, though, that Larry might be a bit of a spitter. But luckily, no one was injured and Larry was safely rescued. Staying in Canada, a kangaroo escaped from its handler during a zoo transfer. They made a pit stop at the Oshawa and Fun Farm Zoo to allow the animals to have some time to stretch their legs outdoors. That is when the kangaroo made the daring escape. 
When being unloaded from the truck, it vaulted over its handlers, and there are videos of it making a break for it alongside the roads in Oshawa. It was captured three hours later with the help of the police. It was in good health and is now headed to its new home, a zoo in Quebec. Now to get a little more serious, Marcus, a country club in Florida contacted the local police to help get rid of a panther that was sleeping near a stairwell. That All right, is that's one... a little more frightening. Yeah, that's yeah. a little more uh, serious here. The Bonita National Country Club needed the help of local police and the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission to help remove the animal. The panther will undergo a veterinary exam before being released in the wild. Florida panthers are an endangered species with only 120 to about 230 is their best guess living across Florida and parts of Georgia. Mm, man. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of sad to think about that. It's that, that few. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the one where I think, yeah, you need to call in the police because first of all, dangerous animal. Second of all, endangered. You don't want to injure it. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Something I don't always say. Let's stay in Florida for the next one. <laughs> Just kidding to all the Florida people out there. Uh, Hollywood, Florida, to be exact, where Crystal Collins and her husband called for help after finding an iguana hanging out in the toilet of their guest bathroom. They hmm. thought it was dead, but when trying to retrieve it with a garbage bag, they discovered it definitely was not. Collins said, neither of us do lizards and joked about burning down the house. They did eventually get it outside. Keeping it in the bathroom where Michelle Lesperon from Tucson, Arizona, found a black and pink coach whip snake hiding in her toilet. Again, this one's a little more serious. She called Rattlesnake Solutions to get rid of it, but it took three visits over two days for them to handle it. Okay, what is Rattlesnake Solutions, by the way? I didn't know there was an 800 number like to get rid of your rattlesnakes. When you live in Arizona, I guess there is. It, it, okay. It's a company. It's a company that comes in and gets rid of those rattlesnakes for you, I guess. You don't say. <laughs> yeah, well, right I mean, the name, the name. <laughs> they say the name seems to explain it all to me, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know there'd be enough business, though, to go around for, you know, a, a, an entire company to be out there dealing with rattlesnake problems. But, hey, I digress. Uh, coach whip snakes are not venomous, but when handled by humans, they can get a little aggressive. According to Rattlesnake Solutions, they have dealt with snakes in the toilet before, but it is among the rarest situations they are called to handle. So clearly they do get plenty of calls, Marcus. A woman in Texas had to call the Woodlands Fire Department to help her after her small dog ended up stuck behind the toilet. Hmm. And it, it was stuck. They ended up having to remove the sheetrock to get the dog out. But Tippy is now free, according to the fire department, and was last seen dozing comfortably in a much less precarious place, end quote. Now, how does that happen? How does Tippy get so stuck that they have to remove the sheetrock to get him out? I love dogs, but sometimes they're not very smart. Let's just put it that well, way. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But it just feels like it would be painful to wedge yourself into that situation only to not be able to get out. But we, we've all done that before. I mean, you've never wedged sure. yourself in a situation where you couldn't get out. Well, I'm behind the toilet all the time, Reggie. I, <laughs> yeah, have I, know. To, I have to call emergency responders to please come help. You get a little skittish during thunderstorms and you hide behind the toilet. It makes sense. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and we will end in South Carolina, where police there had to rescue a dog that got its head stuck in a dryer vent. When they arrived, they found Spike's head poking out from the house while the rest of the pooch was still inside. Eventually, they were able to widen the opening of the vent, which allowed the canine to pull its head back through. According to the police, the happy hound was freed from his unfortunate circumstance and is doing fine, probably looking to see what else he can get into for the day, end quote. 
So my take from this, Marcus, is clearly the wild animals are trying to take over our homes. Unless you're a dog, then you're cute, just maybe not very smart all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I I will say I'm fortunate to have never discovered a wild animal in my house. I did, I don't know, fun fact, I did have a hummingbird fly into my living room once, which was an interesting experience. And I live in the desert, right? So the desert hummingbirds are these tiny little guys that, even even smaller than traditional hummingbirds, you, you'd think they were a bug if you saw them for the first oh. time. But this little guy, we have a mirror in our living room, and he just hovered there, checking himself out uh, until I finally opened a sliding door and was able to move him in that general direction to get him out of the house. But no harm. He was just enjoying the view uh, within the mirror of himself. So, Marcus, you may think winning the lottery once is lucky, but how about winning it twice? What are the odds of that? I know. There are multiple stories now of people winning the lottery twice. Desiree Fortini Craft won $1 million in Massachusetts from the lottery in 2006. Now she just won $25 million from the Billion Dollar Extravaganza. It's a $50 instant game. She claimed her prize about a week ago, which came to a one-time payment of $16,205,000 before taxes. With the second win, she just plans on enjoying life. She said her and her husband are hard workers, but she plans on paying off student loans for her kids, making a few big family purchases, one of those being a car, and they plan on having a nice Christmas in Aruba because Good on why not? Yeah. <laughs> the Baker Street Market in West Roxbury will receive $50,000 for selling the winning ticket. The $25 million prize is the largest prize offered by the game, and all three of those $25 million prizes have been claimed. However, only seven of the 15 $1 million prizes have been won, so that means there's still eight more chances out there, and four of the five $2 million prizes have been claimed. Total prizes for the game did total $1.2 billion, so I guess it was named correctly when they called it the Billion Dollar Extravaganza. This next one isn't as large of a prize, but I still wouldn't complain. An unidentified woman from Waldorf, Maryland, won $50,000 from a scratch-off ticket less than a year after she won $100,000 from another game. This time, she enlisted her sister to help scratch off the tickets, and when the winning ticket was scratched off, the sister claimed that uh, she just started yelling, Again! Again! Because I guess she wants to keep winning. (laughs) When she won the first prize in 2022, she used the money to buy a four-acre plot of land the new money will go to building a small house there good on her Um, i'd like to win the lottery just once reggie i mean i have i should i should say this i have a decent story when i turned 18 i happened to buy a lottery ticket scratch off from my spanish teacher who was working (laughs) at night a second job and i purchased that i won 500 bucks and i got invited to the uh, state television show for which i got to sit in the audience i wasn't selected to go on stage but you know what that was that was still decent because we won a portion of the winner's earnings that day so in all uh i I think i took home around a thousand dollars as an 18 year old i felt like i'd made it and a thousand dollars when you were 18 that's a lot of money I know it was like 1846. (laughs) I, uh, I do not have any luck with the lottery. The best I've done is basically win my money back. Well, I mean, that beats the alternative, I suppose. I don't gamble really at all. And the reason being is is I like to tell people I losing upsets me far more than any joy that I receive from winning. Taking a look at this day in history in 2020, Bob Dylan sold his entire songwriting catalog 
of more than 600 songs to the Universal Music Publishing Group for over $300 million. A little history on Bob Dylan. I'm just going to go into his early life because his biography is really long and I don't think we have time enough for all of it. Bob Dylan, not his actual name. His real name is Robert Allen Zimmerman. Did you know that, Marcus, that Bob Dylan? I, I, I did not. I, I had no idea. I just assumed that was the family surname. Of course, familiar with his son, Jacob Dylan, also a musician, too. So, no, fun fact for me today, Reg. Nicely done. He was born in Minnesota in 1941. He actually formed several bands in high school, one of which covered Little Richard and Elvis songs. During a high school talent show, he performed Rock and Roll is Here to Stay from Danny and the Juniors at a talent show. But it was so loud that his principal cut off the microphone, you know, kind of like in Back to the Future when he was <laughs> crying out. It's like, I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. Uh, <laughs> so. The pinheads. Yeah, that was Huey Lewis telling Marty <laughs> McFly, you're too darn loud. Yeah. In the 60s, uh, Dylan dropped out of college and moved to New York to perform with his idol, Woody Guthrie, having the goal of being Guthrie's greatest disciple. That's when Dylan started playing some coffee houses close to campus and became involved in the folk music circuit. It was around this time that he named himself Bob Dylan. So we'll get to that story here now where he, how he came up with the name is he was originally going to adopt the surname Dylan, D-I-L-L-O-N, before coming across a poem by Dylan Thomas, D-Y-L-A-N, and decided he liked that less common version of Dylan. Explaining his name change in 2004, he said, quote, you're born, you know, the wrong names, wrong parents. I mean, that happens. You call yourself what you want to call yourself. This is the land of the free. He started going by Bob Dylan in 1962, and that is also the year he signed a management contract. In uh, 1963, he was asked to perform the Ed Sullivan Show, which he actually walked out on because he refused to comply with the censorship of his song, Talking John Birch Paranoid Blues, because CBS thought it was potentially libelous to the John Birch Society. Dylan was very prominent in civil rights movement during that time. Uh, in 1966, though, he crashed his motorcycle and broke several vertebrae in his neck, or at least according to Dylan. No ambulance was ever called to the scene, and he was never hospitalized. He didn't tour again for eight years. After that first tour back, though, his marriage started deteriorating, which led to several popular songs that he wrote during that time. He filled three small notebooks with songs about relationships. And now, you know, we're only in the 70s. But like I said, I could keep going. This would go on for a really long time. But needless to say, he had quite a collection to sell and he sold it for $300 million. You know what? Maybe next year on this same day, Reg, we'll do part two of Bob Dylan's life. And we'll, we'll pick it right back up. We'll do the 80s and 90s of Bob Dylan next year. <laughs> Stay tuned till next year. That'll do it for this edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, feel free to email us at coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. That's coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. I'm Reggie Rizzo with Marcus Path. We'll talk to you tomorrow.